Last week we started it out. In school, testing is an opportunity to reveal your understanding. In life, testing is an opportunity to reveal your faith. Have you been tested lately? If you were tested, you think it was you or do you think it was God? We're going to discuss more about that right after this. Hey guys, welcome back to Connecting the Gap. This is episode three, and I'm Daniel Moore. Thank you guys for joining me once again. We're continuing our study that we started last week, and I kind of tentatively called this Walking on Water. Uh, basically, this is about the test in our life that we go through sometimes. Uh, last week, we talked a little bit about how we reach those mountaintop experiences in the Lord, and a lot of times when we're up there at the mountaintop, we don't worry so much about our life and where we're at. And we kind of forget God sometimes and put him on the back burner. And then we wonder why we have a valley come up right after that mountaintop experience. And of course, what happens when we get into that valley? We automatically start crying out to God. And we automatically start praying for God to come in and to change that situation that we're in. And a lot of times we like to blame these types of test, testing on ourselves. But I don't think that all of the time that these tests that we go through are self-inflicted. Sometimes I think God puts us through these tests to see exactly where we stand in the faith. And last week, uh, a statement that I had shared with you was to remember that oftentimes the depth of the wave is equal to the height of the wave that goes before it. So if you have this huge exhilarating moment with Christ that really you know, puts a good foundation underneath your faith and it helps you to grow tremendously in a season of your life. Satan's going to come in right behind that and he's going to create a huge diversion just as big as that mountaintop experience to try to suck all the wind out of anything that you have experienced in your life and that forward progress that you've made. So we're going to jump right in here to this week's uh, sessions and uh, continue on with this study that we started last week. So if you have not watched last week's yet, I would recommend you go do that first or you're going to be a little bit lost because I'm not really going to do any rehashing of where we were at last week. I will say that we're in Mark chapter 6 right at the moment and we're going to be in around verse 45 and 46 is where we're going to be starting at today. So last week we were talking about that rhythm that we get into our life sometimes where we have those mountaintop experiences and those are followed by those valleys. That's kind of a rhythm that we see all the time through Scripture in the Old and New Testament. And we actually see that in our own lives as well. So, so here we are with the disciples as they've been put into the boat. And, and Jesus is pushing them out into that water, telling them to get to the other side. We see this rhythm again. That test followed at a time of great blessing, the pattern of the test. So now let's get into the story itself and the preparation for the test. We are told in verses 45 and 46, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side. While well, he sent the multitude away. If you remember from last week, he just fed the 5,000 on that mountainside. In verse 46, and when he had sent them away, he departed to the mountain to pray. So once again, here's another lesson that God seems to be impressing upon us. The Bible says to Jesus, watch this, here's, here's what he says. He made the disciples get into the boat and go to the other side. 
apparently that's not what they wanted to do. Apparently they didn't want to get in that boat. They didn't want to leave Jesus because the word itself, whenever it is in the scripture, is a very intense word. It's he made them. It's, it's a show of force that Jesus put upon their life. It's about an urgency. So we see here that this is not something that they wanted to do. It's almost like Jesus forced them against their will to get into this boat. And, you know, maybe it's because they just wanted to stay with Jesus. There's no telling exactly why they didn't want to get into the boat at that time. But, but the, the way that this word says that he made them, it's like he thrust them into this boat and put them out into the middle of the Sea of Galilee, right into the teeth of a terrible storm. Jesus did that. He did that to his disciples. He put them in that boat and he pushed them out there into that storm. And do you think that Jesus didn't know what was going on at that time? Do you think that he didn't know that this storm was going to be out there? Sure he knew. We know without a doubt that Jesus knew exactly what he was doing when he put those disciples in that boat. There's a little statement here that I've written down about problems. And here's what it says. It says, problems are situations engineered by God to demonstrate our inadequacy so that we will look to his sufficiency as our only hope. Again, problems are situations engineered by God to demonstrate our inadequacy so that we will look to his sufficiency as our only hope. Sometimes God gives us problems so that we will understand how inadequate we are without him. There's times in our life that we elevate ourselves. We think that we're doing so great. We're doing so wonderful. We think that we're just figuring all this stuff out on our own. And in all reality, God will sometimes put us into these situations to help us understand that without him, we are not sufficient. Without him, we are inadequate. We have to have him as a part of our life. So we might look and you might say, well, don't we know that already? <laughs> I don't think we do. You know, in a, lot, in a lot of cases, I think that we should know. And we should understand this on a regular basis. But as long as we got something that we can do, something that we can make happen on our own accord, a lot of times we don't feel like we need God necessarily. We kind of put him on the back burner and we try to do this stuff under our own power and we leave God out of it. So in a sense, we act like we don't need him. We kind of push him to the side and, and kind of keep him at a distance. But we all should know that regardless if we think we know that we need him or not, we do need him. And we know that as Christians, there's just not much way that we can make it without him on a daily basis, guiding our steps and our path. And so he engineers these problems and sometimes these problems we just don't have any answers to. So that way, whenever that comes up, we can see how insufficient we are. And then we trust him for the sufficiency that only he alone can provide. Jesus sent his disciples into the storm, and he knew ahead of time what would happen. What did happen when he sent them into that storm? Well, first of all, there was this time of isolation. Notice in verse uh, 47 of Mark chapter 6, it says, Now when the evening came, the boat was in the middle of the sea, and he was alone on the land. Now Matthew, in his version, he says, But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. And this was in the fourth watch of the night. If you go to John in chapter 6, verse 16, he tells the story this way. Now when evening came, the disciples went down to the sea, got into the boat, and went over the sea toward Capernaum. And it was already dark, and Jesus hadn't come to them. 
Now, if you read these verses very carefully, all three of these, these versions of these scriptures, and you've listened to what they, what they say and what they are saying, this was an eerie time of the night. This was in the middle of the night. In fact, the scriptures tell us what time it was. It was between 3 o'clock in the morning and 6 o'clock in the morning. That's what's typically labeled as the fourth watch of the night. The disciples began their journey in the evening. They'd been working all night long, and now it's 3 o'clock in the morning trying to row this boat across the Sea of Galilee. How many of you know that nothing usually good ever happens in the middle of the night at 3 o'clock in the morning? Well, the disciples were in the middle of the Sea of Galilee at this point in time. They were rowing their boat for all they were worth. The wind was blowing, and this was a time of isolation. And it was also, also seemed to be almost a time of desperation for these disciples. If you notice in verse 48, it says that Jesus saw them straining at rowing, for the wind was against them. In Matthew 14, that same verse says that the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. And John's version says that the sea arose because the great wind was blowing. The scripture says that what happened was the disciples set out for Capernaum, and the more that they rowed, the more that the wind was coming up against them. So they were basically rowing into the wind. The wind was not helping them at all. It was completely against anything that they were trying to accomplish that night in that boat. That's a pretty strong force to keep them at bay that long. This wind was strong. It was an extremely strong force. We don't think about it very often, but the disciples, they were thinking about it that night. They were right in the middle of this mess that they were in. The wind was contrary, and John fills in some additional details with his scripture. Here's what he says. When they had rowed about three to four miles, here's what he's saying. The length of the journey which the disciples took off as Jesus instructed them was about five miles. That total journey that they were going to, to go on was around a five-mile journey. The Bible says that they had rowed about three or four miles, so they were a little bit more than halfway at this point. Matthew tells us that Jesus came to them in the fourth watch of the night. Now get this in your head. They began this journey... The scripture says that along toward evening, so they've been rowing on the Sea of Galilee for somewhere between seven to nine hours. Just kind of wrap your mind around that. There's no boat motor, no, uh, you know, the, the little motor, this uh, trolling motor, I'm trying to think of the name of that. None of that. They had oars, and they were trying to row against these, this, this strong wind. And they had been at it for about seven to nine hours, and they barely made it a little over halfway to get across the Sea of Galilee. So you can kind of get in, some, in your head some idea of how strong this wind was. Basically, they were treading water. They weren't going anywhere. They were just sitting there. Mark tells us that Jesus saw from his vantage point, he saw them straining at rowing. In other words, they were giving it everything that they had. And I believe that their desperation now had started long ago, somewhere in the seven to nine hours. They didn't even think about getting to Capernaum at this point. They were thinking about saving their lives. I think they were probably thinking there is no way we're going to get across the sea at this point with this wind. They just didn't really know if they were going to make it or not. The wind was way too strong as it was blowing up against them. But what's crazy about this is this whole time, Jesus, he's seeing this. He's watching this whole time. And Jesus saw that the disciples were rowing for all that they were worth. He sat there and watched them struggle to try to get across the Sea of Galilee. They had their backs toward their destination, and they'd been rowing all night long. And now it was not just to get to the other side, but it was to stay alive. 
They were desperate. Remember, a problem is a situation engineered by God to make us understand our own insufficiency so that we will trust him for everything that we need. He's got the disciples right where he wants them. Now the process of the test and the best way that I can tell you this is to kind of review the different senses of the disciples and what had happened to them this day prior. So let's begin with what they saw. What did the disciples see? Well, in Mark chapter 6, verse 48, it says, About the fourth watch of the night, Jesus came to them walking on the sea, and he would have just passed them right on by. Then they saw him walking on the sea. Now, if you look at, look at this and think about it, as the disciples are rowing with all their heart's force, and weariness is setting them from an all-nighter, it's 3 o'clock in the morning, they look up and they see something moving across the top of the water towards them. John tells us that they saw Jesus walking on the sea and he was drawing near to the boat. So in other words, he was coming towards them and he was actually gaining on them. So just stop and think about that for a moment. What the disciples saw was this figure literally gliding across the top of the water. He was going at such a speed that they thought he was just gonna blast right on by. He wasn't even gonna stop. He was gonna just continue right on going. And apparently as he got alongside of them, that's when he looked and said, don't be afraid, it is I. And that's when they realized who it was. That's what they saw. Here's what they said. In Mark chapter 6, verse 49, when they saw this happening, they saw Jesus gliding across the water towards them, their first reaction, they supposed it was a ghost. They cried out in fear and agony, scared to death of what they were seeing. And Matthew says they were troubled, saying it is a ghost, and they cried out in fear. The word for ghost in the New Testament language is the word phantasma, from which we get our word phantom. They thought it was a phantom. That's how this word was, um, was transcribed into the, the Bible that we have today. They thought it was a phantom, a ghost, and this is what they felt. Verse 50 says they saw him and they were troubled. Is that not an understatement? <laughs> I'm sure that troubled was probably a, a minor way of describing how they felt. But it says they were troubled and they cried out in fear. They saw Jesus walking on the sea, drawing near the boat, and they were extremely afraid. That's Matthew and John's contribution to this story. In other words, panic was ricocheting throughout the boat. Some were standing, some were screaming, perhaps ready to jump into the sea. They were probably ready to just end it all because they were terrified of what they were seeing. But the reality of it is, why were they afraid? Why were they so afraid of what was going on at this moment in their life out here in this boat? I mean, let's face it, as, as a human being and individuals, we probably would have been afraid too, I'm sure. Um, just being in that kind of a situation, I can only imagine what they were feeling. But... What's weird about this is once they saw Jesus, why were they so afraid? Well, if we jump down in our Bibles to verse 52 of Mark chapter 6, it says, For they had not understood about the loaves, because their hearts were hardened. What do we mean by they hadn't understood about the loaves? I don't know if you guys have ever noticed that in that scripture or not as you've read that, um, but that's a very important statement that is in that scripture that reveals a lot about the disciples and who they were. At this time, they still hadn't figured out who Jesus really, truly was. For all the time that they had followed him and walked beside him, they still hadn't figured this out, that he was the son of the living God, 
that was involved with them on a daily basis, which is weird. You think they would have understood that. They had been with him. They had handed out that food to those 5,000 plus on that hillside, and that's 5,000 men. That doesn't include the women and children. They knew something miraculous had happened. One little boy's lunch had been enough to feed around 15,000 people. What an incredible thing, but they still didn't connect the dots. That this one who had made that happen was indeed the son of the living God. Their hearts were hardened. So when they were in the storm and the son of the living God comes flying by them, walking on the sea, they still have not been initiated. They still don't get it. We've come to the end of, of this week, so I'm going to stop it right there. Now, this is definitely going to go on into another week here. I want to make sure that as we finish up the study here on this portion of Scripture and this the subject matter that we're talking about here, I want to make sure that I get through all the points that I want to to help you have a better understanding of why sometimes God tests us and why He puts us in these times of testing. So my prayer for you this week is that as you're going along and you're doing your daily thing, whether if you're at work or whatever it may be that you do each and every day, that you would always remember that we're going to have our ups and downs. We're going to have those times in our life when we're going to feel like we're way up here and things are just awesome, things are going great. Um, but we always need to be prepared, as we talked about, staying on our knees to make sure that we understand that those times of, of those good times that we have in our life sometimes we know that there's going to be a valley coming and we need to understand who Jesus is during those times understand that he is the answer and that he is the way and that when we pray to him he will answer those prayers and he will be there for us so we're going to cut it off for this week and uh, we'll be back next week once again as we continue this study about walking on water and does Jesus and does God put us in a time of testing sometimes in our life and We'll pick this up next week. So you guys have a great week, and I'll talk to you then.